Good afternoon. Time is 1 o'clock. You are tuned to WEHC Emory and WISE FM Wise. It is Wednesday, January 17th, 2024, and time for another edition of Farm Talk, the show that answers all your questions, agricultural related, and your host for the show, Phil Blevins, Washington County Extension Agent. Thank you, Ivy. It's good to be with everyone today and good to be back. It's a winter wonderland out there right now. Hope everyone's staying warm. The Book of Job says there are treasures in the snow. You may not think that right now, but there are. I've noticed in years where we have a lot of snow, the flowers are prettier in the spring and the soil feels better and lots of things to go along with that. So we'll take the good with the bad. Uh, One of the things to keep in mind, it's not the topic of the show today, but one of the things to keep in mind for the livestock producers out there that in cold weather like this, Livestock are well-equipped to handle cold weather, but as the temperatures drop to the levels that we've been, they probably need a little extra energy in the diet to help keep them warm and to keep them from losing weight. And so just keep that in mind. If you need information on that, call the Extension Office. Or if you need information on other things we talk about, you can email me at pblevins at vt.edu or give me a call at 276 Six seven six six three zero nine. Or if you have questions today, call the radio station. And Ivy, I forgot that number. What is it? It's two seven six nine four four six nine three three. And we'd love to hear from you. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about apple trees today and planting apple trees. And if we get time, we'll get down to just some varieties. And there's a tremendous amount of interest in apples. Uh, I teach a grafting class most years. And there's a lot of people that are interested not only in just having apples, but in preserving heirloom varieties. There are about 7,500 varieties of apples in the world. And so there's just a multitude of different kinds of apples that can be used for different purposes. And hopefully we'll get to looking at some of those varieties for the shows over today. But some of you will probably be uh, planting apple trees this year, ordering apple trees from Stark Brothers or somewhere else. And so... Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. <clears throat> One of the things you need to decide starting out is the size of the apple tree that you want. And basically, apple trees are classified in three different categories. You have dwarf trees, which are going to be about 8 to 10 feet tall when they're mature, and semi-dwarf trees, which are going to be about 12 to 15 feet tall, and then standard trees that are 18 feet or more tall. And a lot of the old trees that we find around here are of the standard variety. Uh, And everyone wants one that they can actually harvest uh, apples from. And the standard trees make that a little difficult. I remember when I was growing up, the farm I grew up on, we had an apple tree that was, the variety was called Wealthy, which was really a nice eating apple. And as the uh, old saying goes, and it's true, the best apples were always the highest and on the end of the limb. And so I'd spend a lot of time with rocks trying to knock the good apples out of the tree to eat them. But dwarf trees, which get them down to the level that are easier for us to harvest, have some disadvantages too. And one of those is support with a heavy load of fruit, a dwarf apple tree in some cases, doesn't have the root system to be able to support that. And a lot of times you'll see dwarf apple trees blow over in windstorms. And so if you're going to grow dwarf trees, it's a good idea sometimes maybe to support those some way without cutting off the circulation of the tree. Some people have used dwarf trees in in a scaffold system or a spalia, I think is what they call that technically, where 
we train those limbs to wires to support them. Uh, but the semidwarf is a good compromise between that, and a lot of people go with those size trees. And so, you know, some quick facts. Uh, apple trees need at least eight hours of sun per day during the growing season, so you don't want to plant them in a shady spot. And this is really important. Two varieties are required for successful pollination. Now, one of those can be a crab apple tree if you have crab apples that bloom. And one of the uh, keys to success in pollination is having varieties that bloom at the same time. Uh, and you can actually find charts where you can compare varieties and where they intersect uh, in bloom time. Those make good pollinators. Golden Delicious is generally considered to be a good pollinator or a crab apple, as I said, if you have that. And there are others as well. Uh, as far as when they start bearing, uh, dwarf apple trees will start bearing fruit about two to three uh, years after uh, you've planted them. And standard sized trees can take up to eight years to start bearing fruit. Of course, the semi-dwarf are going to be somewhere between that. And sometimes people get anxious and they get upset because they don't have apples in two years on the trees they planted. You just got to give them time to get to the point <clears throat> that they're far enough along and mature enough to do that. Also keep in mind that some varieties are more susceptible to insect and disease damage than others. And most varieties have a rating as far as resistance to diseases. Uh, one of the main diseases that we have to deal with in our part of the world is called cedar apple rust. It actually is a fungal disease that comes from red cedars. And we've got red cedars everywhere in this part of the world. And they produce a mass, a lot of them do in the spring. Looks like a mass of orange jelly hanging off the limbs. And there are spores that come from that that blow through the air for very long distances that uh, a lot of apple varieties are really susceptible to. It doesn't make it inedible, but it does cause blemishes on the fruit, sometimes can cause the leaves to drop. Another thing to keep in mind is apple trees need to be pruned annually to keep the apple trees healthy and productive. If they're not pruned like they should be, ultimately you'll have uh, a lot of growth and not many apples or apples that aren't very big. Uh, also, apples are pollinated by insects, and there are bees that do this, from honeybees to orchard mason bees. And there are flies that transfer pollen from one of the flower of one apple tree to another variety. And as I said earlier, apples do require pollen from a different apple variety to be really productive. And so let's think about planning. How much space do you need for apple trees? And a lot of us are limited on space, and so we have to keep that in mind when we're thinking about what we're going to do and the apple trees that we're going to grow. And those standard trees, which are going to get really tall, those are the ones you're going to have to have a ladder or a grandchild that likes to climb uh, to pick apple to pick the apples, and they need about 20 to 25 feet between trees um, for them to be able to produce like they should. Uh, Semidwarf trees uh, will need 12 to 15 feet of space uh, between those trees, and then dwarf trees we can get down to six to eight feet between them. But keep in mind that they do have to be supported in some cases, and maybe a scaffold system is something that you'd want to consider if you're really into doing things uh, doing things like that and really taking a lot of pains with what you're trying to grow. I knew the agent that used to be in Wise County when I first started with Extension had an orchard where he had dwarf trees that were scaffolded, and there's really a nice operation that made really nice apples. But it does take a lot of, uh, 
I guess you would say, attention and management and tedious work, maybe to some extent, to get that done. So when you're getting ready uh, to plant the tree, uh, first of all, you need to dig a hole. That just makes sense. Uh, But one of the mistakes that people make with not only with apple trees but with other trees is planting them too deep. Uh, You never want to plant a tree deeper than the root ball. Uh, when we, if you'll notice on apple trees or any other tree, the, the trunk flares out at the bottom where, where the roots begin to spread from the tree. And really, that should be at the top of the ground. However deep, wherever the top of the root ball is, that's what we should shoot for as far as the, as the depth of our hole. And it needs to be about twice as wide as the root ball. So if you're buying... And you may get bare root trees, for example. And so, if, you know, if you're getting bare root trees, trees that really don't have a root ball on them, maybe your maybe your neighbor's an apple grafter and he gives you an apple tree, then the hole's not going to have to be that big. Or if you buy one at a pot at one of the big box stores that maybe it's a 12-inch pot, then you're going to need about a two-foot hole to be able to uh, plant that in. And keep in mind, too, uh, is you need to plant the tree in what you dug out of the hole. Um, if you've got clay type soil and maybe you have, maybe you're in an urban setting and your yard was excavated whenever they did it, and so really what you've got left is clay, the top soil's mostly gone, that's what the tree needs to grow in. Uh, don't have a clay hole and then fill it up with uh, good topsoil because you tend to have problems in with the roots not wanting to leave the hole. They want to stay in it, and you can end up with uh, root-bound trees. So keep that in mind. Uh, And there's really no need when you're planting an apple tree to add any fertilizer to the hole. Uh, You can do that, but I wouldn't do very much because they really don't need it. Uh, And so one thing to do, though, is you get ready to plant, particularly if you're getting, uh, if you have one that's either coming out of a pot, pot or one that's been bald and burlapped, and that's where uh, they've dug the tree and then they put burlap around uh, the root ball to hold it in place. First of all, be sure you remove the burlap. Uh, several years ago, I looked at some trees that someone had planted. They weren't apple trees, but the trees were looking bad. And when we examined around the trees, they had been bald and burlap, but they'd been burlapped with carpet backing which is nylon, and it won't rot very well. And so the trees have become root-bound. The roots couldn't penetrate that very well. And so you need to remove that. And then examine the root system and remove any roots that are growing around the root ball, that are growing in a circle, or that are J-shaped. If they're J-shaped or circling uh, the root ball, then they could eventually strangle the trunk. So... Uh, be sure that you look for that. Uh, if you do have those circling roots, especially if they're coming out of a pot uh, where they've been grown, uh, then take the spade or whatever it is you're planting with and slice down through those roots in two or three places so that those roots then will begin to grow out in a lateral direction from the from the tree. Uh, if You could also straighten those roots out if you have enough room to straighten the roots. But if not, then make several cuts through the root ball to cause those roots to begin to spread. When you, uh, if, when you plant those trees, 
I mentioned not planting them deeper than the root ball is. There's another good reason for doing that. If you buy dwarf or semi-dwarf trees, they've been grafted somewhere. And so the variety that you buy, if it's a Golden Delicious, uh, is the top part above the graft. And the graft, the actual graft, the sign wood, not the sign wood, but the actual root stock, is of some type that either uh, imparts disease resistance, uh, certainly it controls size, is going to be the part uh, about four inches above the soil line, depending on who grafted it. Now, if you plant that below the soil line, what's going to happen is the actual variety or the sign wood, the golden delicious, is going to root, and you're going to have a standard size tree. And so what you need to do is make sure that the graft union, which will look like a swelling in the stem, it needs to be above the soil line. When we teach the grafting class, we always teach people, never plant your trees so deep that the sign wood or the actual apple wood that you're trying, the variety you want to grow, is in contact with the soil or you've just defeated the purpose of grafting the tree. Uh, and so keep that in mind because... Uh, you know, if you plant a dwarf tree and then it ends up 20 feet tall, uh, that's certainly not what you were looking for. Uh, you know, have someone that if you can't, if you have to, have someone to help you to get the tree standing upright. You don't really don't want it leaning uh, when you get started. And as you as you fill backfill the hole that you've dug, uh, be sure that you tamp the soil to remove any air pockets. Now we're not trying to pack the soil. Uh, we just want to settle the soil down so that we don't end up with air pockets in it so we get good soil to root contact. And, you know, after it's filled, after you get the, the hole filled, then tamp it gently and water it, water it really good to make sure that you settle the soil around the roots and remove any air pockets that might be there. And so, you know, the soil may settle an inch or two when you do this because obviously we've loosened the soil up digging the hole out. And so if that happens, then add more soil to it uh, so that uh, we have the hole full. Uh, full. Now, don't, don't let the soil dry out for at least two years. And that can be done either by us watering the tree on a regular basis if the weather gets dry or rainfall, obviously, is going to get that done. But don't even let it dry out in the wintertime. If we happen to go through a dry winter, where we don't get very much rain, you need to make sure that the soil stays moist around the apple tree for at least two years. And this goes with any tree, really, so that the root system can get established uh, uh, deep enough so that uh, in dry weather that it still is able to retrieve enough moisture out of the soil to survive. When you get it all done, you know, well, you can support it. You see people that drive stakes and tie straps to that so that uh, the tree doesn't blow over or something like that. There's nothing wrong with that. Just be sure you keep an eye on it. Uh, be sure that you, uh, that you don't let those straps eat into the tree. Uh, be sure if you buy a bald and burlap tree, or even if you buy one, well, first of all, let's talk about that. If you buy a bald and burlap tree and it's tied, pinned up around the stem or the trunk of the plant, be sure you get that loose <clears throat> so that over time that doesn't grow into the stem. <coughs> Excuse me. Or if you buy one in a pot and it has a tag around the bottom with a wire or a nylon string or something, be sure you get that off because over time that could eat, the bark could overgrow that and actually cut the circulation off in the tree. And so uh, we'll take a break right now. We're going to come back and we'll continue our discussion about this. 
Sustain Abingdon presents the annual Randy Smith Seed Swap on January 27th from 1 until 4 p.m. at the Washington County Public Library in Abingdon. Why swap? Cultivate all, from rare heirloom varieties to basic thrift. And you spread biodiversity, save money, control your food supply, increase flavor, access varieties, help pollinators, and rescue rare seeds. Virginia Highlands Community College Horticulture Coordinator Ben Castile will speak at 1 p.m. and this swap will take place from 2 to 4. For more information or for questions, 276-645-2374. We are back with more Farm Talk. Today's topic is apples, and Phil Blevins is your host. Tune in to Farm Talk each Wednesday at 1 o'clock right here on WEHC Emory and WISE FM Wise. And, Phil, I got a question for you. I've got some nice old apple trees that are well-established. They produce beautifully. You mentioned about that they need to be pruned every year. I look at them, and it's just a mess of limbs every which way. So how would you go about uh, doing that? That's a really good question, Ivy. Uh, Old trees that have been left unpruned for several years do get a mass of limbs in them. And so really to get an old tree or an overgrown tree back into shape, it's a three-year process. And what you'd want to do the first year that you prune that tree is remove, obviously, any dead limbs. And, of course, anytime you see a dead limb in a tree, you need to prune that out. And then prune out any water sprouts. And if you don't know what a water sprout is, <coughs> excuse me, that is a, that's generally growth from the previous year, and it grows in a vertical direction out of the tree. Uh, you would need to remove those water sprouts and then any limbs that look like they are crossing or are going to rub against one another. If you do much more than that the first year you prune an overgrown tree, you're going to get a massive growth the next year, uh, and you won't have any apples, most likely, because one of the natural responses of a tree or a plant to pruning is to grow, and plants or trees tend to try to keep, I guess you would call it an equilibrium between top growth and bottom growth. And so we don't want to overdo it uh, the first year. And so we just really are trying to get the problems out of the way uh, the first year. We're not trying to get the tree completely back in shape. Uh, Then the second year, uh, we would go in and try to take some more material out uh, to thin the tree out some more because one of the keys to fruit production is sunlight. And in an overgrown tree, you have a lot of leaves, and the blooms don't get as much sun as they should. And so we're going to try to open, begin to open the tree up some to get sunlight into it. And by the third year, you should be able to go into a regular pruning schedule. And with apple trees, if you don't, unless you have a, unless you're a commercial orchard, uh, and you have to start earlier with apple trees, you want to wait till after the freezing weather is over in the winter, and before they start to bloom, uh, and so you certainly wouldn't prune, and prune them in weather like this because the wood's probably frozen today and that damages the tree. Uh, but once we get through bad cold weather, I guess, for lack of better terminology, then we can prune but before the blooms start. And so, you know, it's a kind of a daunting task to look at an old tree that's never been pruned before and decide <clears throat> where do I start. But if we can get the dead wood, the crossing limbs, and water sprouts out, we've made a good start on what we need to do. And by the way, 
We do have pruning information, and all extension offices do, that you can get to. It's hard to find somebody that knows how to prune an apple tree around here anymore, so uh, that's a challenge. Well, one more question for you. It seems like every year my tree's blooming, it looks great, and then a hard frost comes, and you know, my peach tree is game over, but the apple seems to bloom, I mean, or, or produce fruit no matter what. Are yeah, they just hardier? Well, one, well, one of the differences in most likely is bloom time because peaches tend to bloom earlier. Uh, and, you know, apple trees will get killed, too, or pear trees if it blooms. Pear trees bloom early, too. One of the tricks that you can use if you're planting trees to kind of uh, help you a little bit with that is if you have north-facing slopes to plant the trees on. Uh, that's a good idea because if you plant them on a south-facing slope, when it warms up enough in the next day, you'll notice the snow melt off the south uh, southern exposures uh, before they do the northern exposures. And it's hard to believe, but that difference in temperature will slow the bloom time down. Uh, another thing that I didn't mention in the planting is if you're if you're planting apple trees, particularly if you're going, well, whether you're going to plant a lot or a few, it's best to have them on a slope because air drains just like water does and cold air drains to the bottom. And so that's one way to help with uh, overcoming some of the frost pockets and things like that. And if you've lived on your land a long time, you probably know if you've been out in kind of cooler weather, not bitter cold like it is today, but in cooler weather, you've probably noticed places where it's warmer on your property. And so those are not bad places necessarily to plant something. Good questions. Let's talk a little bit about apple varieties. As I said, there are 7,500 apple varieties known in the, in the world, probably more than that that we don't know about. And there's lots of <clears throat> interesting names of apples, you know, like Grimes Golden, White Limber Twig, uh, Shenango strawberry. There's just all different kinds of apples that maybe we don't talk about a whole lot, but uh, there, there's a lot of interest in these apples. Uh, there's a gentleman down in North Carolina, Tom Brown, and I hope he's still hope he's still alive. But he spent a lot of his life looking for old varieties of apples in this part of the world, and has found I don't know hundreds of them. Someone tell him about an interesting apple tree, and he'll journey there to find out the history and ultimately what variety it is. But if we look at some of these that uh, you know have been popular in this part of the world, one of those, and a little bit about what they're for. We'll look at a little bit of that. We won't get through them all, but Grimes Golden, I mentioned that, which is a you know a round, slightly oblong apple that is uh, has a greenish yellow skin on it, and it ripens really to a clear yellow. And it has sometimes it has dots on it, like it's rusted. Uh, but that apple was, uh, people liked it because the flesh was crisp and tender and it had a sweet, spicy flavor and it could be used. It was a good all-purpose uh, dessert and cooking apple. And so it does have, all these apples has some peculiarities about it. And it's one of those that the apples had to be thinned on if you really wanted large fruit. One, one that I remember more than anything, I grew up in Shady Valley, Tennessee, and Bonham Brothers had a pretty sizable orchard over there when I was growing up. And there were boys that I went to school with that lived near the orchard. <clears throat> and they would come to school with a variety called Cortland apples. And I always thought they looked as big as a saucer to me. And they were really good apples. They were a cross between an apple called a Ben Davis 
and a Macintosh, and I'm sure some of you have heard of that. And it was actually developed in New York at an agricultural experiment station in 1898. Uh, it is a beautiful apple. It has is dark red, had a yellowish skin that was mostly covered with dark red or crimson color. And a really fine grain, tender white flesh, really juicy, uh, doesn't brown rapidly after exposure to air, and is really a reliable and highly productive tree that ripened early. And see, some people want apples earlier. One of the ones that I can remember growing up was a yellow transparent. And we had one of those trees, and you had apples by midsummer off of that tree that were is really good cooking apple. Wasn't much of a storage apple, uh, but it was really early one. In Cortland, not that early. It would ripen in late September to early October. I guess that's one of the frustrations for an impatient person with apple trees is sometimes apples aren't ready when we wanted them to be. Another one that was popular uh, that's an older variety is called the Arkansas Black, and uh, it originated in a wine sap seedling, from a wine sap seedling in an orchard in Bentonville, Arkansas in 1870. And it's still a popular apple among those that uh, like heirloom varieties. Um, the last ad when we took the break about the Seed Savers Exchange, people trying to save old varieties of stuff. As I said, there's a tremendous interest in saving some of these old varieties of apples. And this is one that didn't ripen until late November. And so, you know, that's something you have to keep in mind around here. You know, is it going to, is the variety really going to work here? Uh, you get into late November here, and sometimes, uh, you know, we get so late that we get into a freeze that might damage the crop. You know, one of those apples, and there's going to be somebody out there who's going to say, well, I've grown that and didn't have any trouble. Uh, but one of those is the Granny Smith that's... Uh, is a, is a variety that's popular for cooking. It's one of those that ripens really late. Probably one of the more popular ones that people really like is Golden Delicious. And it's a yellow skin variety that gives its name, and it's really sweet to the taste. It's really one of the best eaten apples, in my opinion, that there is. But it is prone to bruising. doesn't store really well, so you have to be careful with it when you're handling it. It's a favorite for people that like apples in salads or want to make applesauce or apple butter. It's really a nice apple from that standpoint. There's one that was, there's a group of apples called limber twigs, and I wanted to mention this one. And the red limber, these, the limber twigs were apples that were native to the Appalachian area that we're in, North Carolina, western North Carolina, east Tennessee, and southwest Virginia. And the red limber twig is to believe to be one of those that was developed in Virginia. There's a number of different limber twig varieties. And the red limber twig is one of the best keepers of the group. Uh, the flavor gets better during storage. If you like to keep apples in the cellar, the flavor gets better. It's a medium-sized one that has a greenish-yellow skin with a dull red cover. So it's not the most attractive apple in the world, but really a good eating apple. Uh, there's another one called Myers Royal Limber Twig. I mentioned uh, White Limber Twig, but the Myers Royal Limber Twig was one that originated in Cades Cove. Those of you that are familiar with Cades Cove. Uh, one of the ones that, uh, one of the bigger apples that probably some of the old timers around here have heard of is the Mountain Boomer. And uh, it was a huge round apple, some, spe some apples being larger than a saucer. So it was a really big apple. Uh, it's pale yellow, it may have a blush on it sometime when it's exposed to the sun, 
But for, you know, a big apple, the flavor and texture are really exceptional, especially considering how big the apple is. One of the ones I think that has one of the most interesting names is Cox's Orange Pippin. And this one originated in England, and it's one of the most unique and favorite apples around. Uh, it's grown uh, from October. Actually, the Orange Pippin has a distinct flavor, which uh, no one's ever matched with any of its offspring. Other than the flavor, it's really beautiful apple. That's how it gets its name. It has an orange glow, and that's how it gets its orange name. You know, well, if you do, if you do have questions about this, and please let me know at the Extension Office, and we'll get that information to you just as soon as we possibly can. I look forward to being back with you next week. Thanks for having me today, Ivy. Thanks so much. And if you have got questions for Phil, don't forget you can email him p blevins at vt.edu or you can also call the radio station 276-944-6933 be sure to tune in to another edition of farm talk next wednesday at one o'clock this is wehc emory and wise